part of what I do as a nutritionist is helping my clients to identify, well, what are the root causes for you? Instead of taking your diet and completely overhauling it and telling you to eat totally differently than you are right now, you know, how can we identify the root causes that are maybe causing you to to reach for foods that we know aren't supporting your health completely? Welcome everyone to another episode of Be More Well with me, Jeff St. Pierre. This is episode 11 featuring nutritionist Alexa Bedingfield. We'll be talking more about how what you eat can impact your mental health. Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast where I speak with both physical and mental health professionals, athletes, coaches, trainers, musicians, and most importantly, people just like you and I. My mission here is to bring you information, knowledge, and stories from others about how they found their path to wellness so you can find your own personal personal journey. No two people are the same, so that means no two paths to wellness are the same. I hope you're able to find some inspiration from the stories that I share each week on this podcast. You know, selfishly, I'm looking for that inspiration too. I'm not an expert or a medical professional. I'm just like all of you, looking for ways to be the best version of myself and the happiest version. Personally, I've already learned so much in the process of doing this podcast, so hopefully you're getting the same thing. If this is your first time listening to the show, first of all, thank you for taking some time out of your day to check us out. I really do appreciate that. My wellness journey began about a year ago when I first went to visit an integrative health doctor. I hadn't been feeling good for a couple of years, and after many visits and many tests ordered by my primary care physician, I was no closer to finding a solution. That's when my wife did some research and pushed me toward the integrative health direction. Now, what's an integrative health doctor? Heard this term maybe before. Maybe you don't know exactly what it is. I'll let you look it up to get the full details, but the way that I describe it to people is with a police analogy. The standard police officer is usually the first to show up at a crime scene, and they see the basics, like someone broke that window and robbed the store. Your primary care physician is the standard officer in this scenario. Then the detective shows up on the scene. That's the integrative health doctor. They look to see what the suspects used to break the window. Which way did they run? How much did they take? What was their motivation? Basically breaking down all the aspects of the situation. In my roughly six months visiting with my new integrative health doctor, I learned so much and so many things that I'd never heard before. And food became a big discussion for us. I had absolutely no idea how much the things that you ate impacted your body. Now, I know that might sound a little silly at first. I knew the basics. Like if I eat cheeseburgers for every meal of the day, I'm probably going to gain a bunch of weight and have bad cholesterol. Those kind of things I understood. But I had no idea that certain foods have different impacts on the things inside your gut. I didn't know the kind of food you ate could impact your brain and mental health. And I had no idea that the food that I was eating could impact my asthma. That's information I wish I had known many years ago. That was a big game changer for me. All this stuff was new to me and it's information that I've been working hard hard to implement in my daily life so that I can live a happy and healthy life now. It's kind of hard to describe who exactly today's guest is because she's done so much in her life so far. I mean, seriously, when we start talking about her life during the interview, you're going to be blown away by how much she's accomplished in just some short years. But I'm excited to have Alexa Bedingfield on the show today. She's a certified nutrition specialist candidate and is working with Terra Counseling in Baltimore. While she knows a ton about nutrition, her specialty really lies more in the connection between nutrition and mental health. In the interview you're about to hear, we'll not only learn more about how Alexa 
that got on this path, but also some great information on how we can feed our bodies while also feeding our minds. Before we dive into the interview, just a reminder to please rate this podcast if you like it. Ratings help the podcast powers that be know which shows that they want to push out to new listeners. And feel free to leave a comment as well. And don't forget to connect with us on social media and keep in touch that way as well. We're on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, it's Be More Well Podcast. And on Twitter, it's just Be More Well. Alexa, when I'm looking at your name, I see MS and CNS candidate next to it. Can you please Mm -hmm. tell me what those mean? Because I have no idea. Yes. So I have a master's of science in nutrition and integrative health from Maryland University of Integrative Health, uh, which is in Laurel, Maryland. So I completed that in 2019. And right now I'm completing all of my supervision hours. I'm just at the very tail end. I've completed about 95% um, of my thousand hours that I need to obtain my CNS credential, um, which stands for Certified Nutrition Specialist. Mm -hmm. And so in Maryland, there are two pathways to licensure when it comes to becoming a licensed dietitian nutritionist, um, LDN, which you may see after, um, you know, other nutritionists and dietitians names. Um, You can either do that with the CNS credential, which is what I'll have, or with the RD credential, which is the registered dietitian credential. Um, So those two credentials can apply for licensure in Maryland. And then, um, you know, you're rocking and rolling. So right now I am practicing under um, the supervision of three licensed nutritionists. And then within the next month, I will be fully licensed. That's awesome. It must be really exciting mm-hmm. to finally be just about there. You know, like you're just about, you're, you're reaching for your goal and you're just about to pull it in. Yes. Yeah. It's been a very long process. Um, you know, school took me three years to finish my master's. And then it's been about a year now out of school, completing all the requirements. Um, to get my CNS. So about four years in the making. So I'm definitely excited that, that the end is in sight. But this is not where you started. Like when you went to college, this was not the Mm -hmm. pathway that you saw yourself going down. So when you say you went to school for three years and spent about Mm -hmm. a year after that getting, there's a gap in between, you know, the traditional school, if you will, and what you've been doing now. Mm -hmm. So why don't you take me back a little bit and kind of tell us how we got to where we're at. I went to Penn state and, um, I, entered Penn State as an undecided major. So I didn't really know, you know, what I wanted to do or what I wanted to major in. I took a class on climate change, actually, my freshman year. And that really sparked my interest in energy and environmental issues and science. So I actually chose a major. It's called Energy Business and Finance. And it's not... um, a program that's offered by many schools, Penn State, um, basically just because of the kind of energy history of the state of Pennsylvania with all the oil that's Mm -hmm. existed there, the coal, now the natural gas. Um, It's just so rich in energy resources that Penn State has a really, really strong background in energy-related majors. So I chose that major. Um, It kind of tied in the energy, environmental issues that I was interested in with a business and finance background. I completed that degree. It's kind of ironic because I did take a nutrition class. I think it was my junior year, just as an elective that I needed for 
um, you know, to satisfy my general education requirements. And I loved it. And I actually thought, you know, like, oh, if I had taken this class my freshman year, I probably would have been a nutrition major. But at that point, I was already a junior. You know, I was, I didn't want to be in school for another three years. So I was like, you know, this is cool, but I'm just going to continue on my path here. So I graduated. I got a job um, out of school with a big energy company as a trade floor analyst. And that job is actually what brought me to Baltimore originally. So I worked at that job for about five years. I started as an analyst. Then I became a trader. And um, during that time, I, you know, I enjoyed the work a lot because it was very intellectually stimulating. And I'm definitely like a data and research kind of a um, nerd, if you will. I love numbers and I love um, you know, quantifying things and, and stuff like that. Um, so from that aspect, it was, it was enjoyable for me, but I just wanted to feel like I was helping people sure. like actual real people. While I was working there, I became a yoga teacher. I became a CrossFit coach. I got really involved in, you know, the Baltimore yoga and fitness mm-hmm. community. And I filled up a lot of my time with, with those types of activities. I started teaching CrossFit and yoga and I just decided that, you know, I wanted to make that my full-time thing. Um, all the, all the while I still had an interest in nutrition. I just hadn't really like tapped into that yet. So I basically just kind of, you know, I quit. I didn't really have a plan. I just, I felt like I couldn't really formulate my next steps while I was caught up in just the day to day of of that career path. So I quit and then I applied for and was accepted to a AmeriCorps position actually uh, for one year. And that position was with a nonprofit called uh, No Kid Hungry, which is a a pretty well-known nonprofit. And I was working on their um, program. I don't think they have it anymore, but it was called Cooking Matters. And it was a, it was kind of their nutrition education arm. Um, so they're really, their main push is ending childhood hunger. Mm-hmm. And then they had this sort of, you know, side program that was focused on nutrition too. So with that program, you know, we went out into grocery stores in low income neighborhoods and we would, you know, actually give people tours and nutrition education exactly, you know, where they bought their food. Um, you know, we would coordinate things with different community groups and community centers. And so that is where I got my first experience actually practicing nutrition education. So after that year, that was only a year long position. Um, you know, they give us the education stipend Mm -hmm. for completing an AmeriCorps term. So I had that, I knew that I really enjoyed doing the nutrition education aspect of that job. So I decided to go back to uh, school, get a master's in nutrition while I was doing that. I feel like I'm talking forever. <laughs> well, this let me like interrupt you then for a just a second. Story. <laughs> <laughs> let me jump in here for one second because I, yeah. I do want to, there's one thing I want, well, a couple of things I want to touch on. Um, one, when you say you quit your job, what was that feeling like? Because I feel like there mm-hmm. are so many people that find themselves in the same position that you were in where mm-hmm. they know what they're doing is not 
uh, stimulating them the way they want to be, but they also feel stuck in that place because there's this fear, obviously, of quitting mm-hmm. a job and not having the financial security of having a job. And, you know, you felt that you felt strongly enough that you were like, you know what? I need to do this. Like, I need to make yes. this happen for myself or I'm not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will say it took me a long time to get to that point. Sure. Um, so it wasn't just like the first time I had the thought. I just went in and I did it. I had thought about it for a long time and I prepared myself for that by, um, you know, I had student loans. I paid off a bunch of my student loans. And I saved up some money, so I felt like I wasn't completely gonna just, you know, flounder mm-hmm. after that. So I prepared from a financial perspective, and then I also, at that point, I had completed my yoga and CrossFit certification. So, so you had I something else that, that you were able to yeah, use too, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I had kind of a bridge, um, you know, to get me through whatever indefinite period. I needed to. So, yeah. So at first, you know, the day that I did it, it felt, it felt good. And then the day after I felt completely terrified (laughs) and the reality sunk in and I hadn't actually gotten, you know, my offer from AmeriCorps yet. So I was really just out on the ledge, had no idea what was coming next. And that was really, really scary. Mm. That's when the fear kind of sunk in. And then About a week later, I got the offer for the AmeriCorps position, which, you know, everyone knows it's not a position where you really earn a bunch of money, basically get a a living stipend. But for me, that was enough, Um, you know, just to know that I could pay my rent while I was doing that. I wasn't looking to get ahead financially at that point. And I also had the expectation, and I think it's important that people have this, that when you are completely switching fields, you are going to have to take several steps back in terms of, you know, just what you're able to do. So it was, you know, it was definitely some, what felt like some steps backward, but I knew that that needed to happen just to realign myself with the direction that I wanted. Yeah. Uh, It's good thing that you had that, you know, that mentality about it too, that you knew that there were going to be some challenges ahead, because I think there are some people that want to make that switch and then have rose colored glasses on that. We're going to make the switch. I'm going to quit my job and everything's going to be perfect after this. And sometimes it's not. And you got to be able to roll with those punches if you're going to actually come out on top. Yeah, exactly. And it has been a lot of ups and downs. And I feel like now, I mean, I left that job probably about six, years ago at this point. And I feel like I'm finally getting to the place where this is kind of why I made that, that leap. Um, so it's, it's taken a long time and it's a lot of hard work, you know, but it's, it's been good. That's awesome. I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that. Uh, can I, I want to touch on the AmeriCorps thing for a second, too, because I know uh, you said you were working with folks in Baltimore trying to teach them about nutrition, take them to grocery stores and show them the different things mm-hmm. that they can pick up and really try to uh, step up their nutrition game. But one thing Baltimore mm-hmm. is kind of known for is this idea of food deserts. So was yeah. that a challenge for you with AmeriCorps to get people in the mindset of, hey, you can do this? It definitely was. Yeah. And um, so a lot of my work for AmeriCorps, I did work throughout the state. So I wasn't just in Baltimore. I, um, you know, we 
did education throughout the state. But um, yeah, that was one, you know, very, very challenging aspect. And it's still a really big issue is, you know, increasing people's access to healthy Mm -hmm. foods. And, you know, that whole experience, I think it was kind of the perfect thing to start out my career on this path, because it just gave me so much perspective on eating and the challenges and limitations that so many people face. And so from that point forward, I never viewed eating healthy as, you know, a burden or something like, oh, like, you know, I wish I could just eat pizza instead of these vegetables. It's something, you know, that I've always been extremely grateful for Mm -hmm. that the fact that I can access fruits and vegetables and, um, yeah, it gave me a lot of perspective on, you know, the fact that healthy eating is, is not a, you know, a burden or an annoyance. It's actually a huge privilege. Yeah. Um, that we have that a lot of people don't have. And I want to talk more about some healthy eating ideas, especially in a time, you know, even folks that would normally have access to a lot of stuff in the time that we're in right now, they might not have the Mm -hmm. same access to it because people aren't leaving their houses. They're not going to the stores the same way they used to. So I do want to come back to that and circle back to that idea in a few minutes Mm -hmm. uh, before we get to that. Uh, So you go get your master's and then is that Mm -hmm. when you decide to go to the Maryland University of Integrative Health Mm -hmm. or was that all tied together? That's where I started my master's program and that's where I graduated from. So I was in that program for three years. And, you know, while I was there, I decided to open a yoga and fitness studio. Uh, So why not? not? So lift yoga and strength was the name of my studio. And we opened in October of 2017. And we actually just closed our doors January 1 of this year of 2020. And that was, you know, another amazing experience. I learned so much by, you know, running a business, an actual brick and mortar business. And I met so many amazing people. You know, ultimately, I finished school in 2019. And, you know, I realized that it was just going to be really, really difficult to actually use my degree. Uh, my nutrition degree and help people in that capacity while running a business full time. Um, You know, I felt like I couldn't really do both. And I just had this really strong desire to, to use the, the information that I had just gained in going back to school. So ultimately made the decision to, to close the studio earlier this year. Since then, I've just been focusing full time on nutrition, but also uh, you know, doing some one-on-one yoga and personal training as well. I like that you're still mm-hmm. keeping that alive, you know, in your life because it seems like it was a really big piece of your life for so long. So I love that you yeah. were, I love that you didn't abandon it all together. You know, you were able to still hold yeah. on to a little bit of it. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because, you know, in January, I kind of felt like I had to just focus all 100% of my attention on nutrition if, if I wanted to see growth in that area. And then I kept getting inquiries for private training. And I was was like, well, you know, maybe I should take on these clients because they're here and I'm still growing as a nutritionist. I'm really happy that I did because the clients that I'm working with now are people, you know, for the last two years and even before that, really working in fitness studios 
in Baltimore, the experience of people that I had working with, you know, I was working with people who were really, really fit Mm -hmm. and who were really, really healthy and strong and for the most part, pretty young because all the studios I was working in were downtown where, you know, just the population, it's a lot of young professionals, kind of like that 25 to 35 age bracket, um, out of school, working, doing their things. So it was great working with that population. And now that I'm offering one-on-one sessions, my demographic has completely shifted Mm. and it's kind of cool. I kind of, you know, I really enjoy working with the, the type of people who I'm working with now, which is a much broader uh, age category. So I have clients from, you know, around 40 years to 70 five. Um, it's a, it's an older and broader, uh, group of people. And it's people who for a lot of them, I don't know that they would make it into gyms and studios to train. Mm. They really benefit from the one-on-one individualized attention and, and having that really personal experience because of, for whatever reason, they, um, you know, injury, or, or, you know, various other reasons just haven't or, or wouldn't be able to make it into gyms or studios to practice. So it's been really cool switching it up and, and working with those, those types of people. That's great. Uh, let's talk a little bit about nutrition here because that is your specialty now. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I, I think for the average person, like, look, everybody knows that eating better is a good thing for you, right? You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people associate eating better with weight loss, but there are so many things that eating the right foods and having the right uh, nutrition plan can do do for your body in so many different ways. What you eat really matters in your body. I know this is a very broad question, but let's kind of dive into that about how mm-hmm. how much food impacts the way your body operates. The, the area that I specialize in, and I'm aligned with Tara Counseling and Consulting yeah. um, for this reason, is because my focus area in nutrition is nutrition for mental health. Mm-hmm. That was an area, a niche that I didn't even know existed until I was pretty much done with my master's degree. It was, you know, the very tail end of my program. You know, I started learning more about that connection. And then as I was studying for my CNS exam, I learned even more about that. And so that's the area that really fires me up um, because the changes that I see in my clients, I'm not as focused on the physical changes. And the thing that's interesting is mental health is very, very tied to other health conditions. Mm -hmm. So say, you know, cardiovascular disease and depression, very, very connected. Depression is now considered a risk factor actually for cardiovascular disease. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, other mental health conditions, are very connected to gut health and different GI issues. So the mental health connection, it definitely does stem to lots of other medical conditions and things like that. But I really like to focus on the brain because the changes that I see in my clients are, you know, not just changes in their bodies, but literally changes in their lives. Mm. So for example, I have one client who I was working with for a while she, we had been working together for maybe four or five months. And I said to her, I was like, you know, let's check back in with your goals. What are your, 
what are your goals right now? Because that's always something that I ask people. And I was thinking that, you know, she would share another health related goal. And she told me that her goal was to move to Italy. Hmm. And I was like, wow, like, that's an incredible goal. And I know that would have never entered her mind when you're struggling to function on a daily basis, when you have brain fog and serious anxiety and depression, your brain does not go to those places. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't even consider those things possibilities that you could do or achieve. So for me, hearing her express that as her goal, and she already started making, you know, taking actions to do that. It wasn't just like, oh, "Oh, you know, maybe one day, maybe when I retire, it's like, no, I'm going to move to Italy. Here's my plan. And I was totally blown away by that because that is a you know, I know that that wouldn't have occurred for her if she was in the headspace that she was four or five months prior to that. What's amazing to me, and this is something that I've just started learning a little bit about too, and by no means am I on the same level as what you're doing, but it's amazing mm-hmm. to think that uh, just, you know, as an example, the greasy cheeseburger you might eat could have an impact mm-hmm. on how your brain functions. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think a lot of people associate with what's going on in their stomach that's connected to their brain at the same time. You know, it's kind of fascinating Mm -hmm. how much all of the body is intertwined that way. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, all the neurotransmitters, they're derived, they're produced from things that come straight from our food. Um, You know, amino acids in the protein we eat, they get broken down and they become things like serotonin and dopamine and epinephrine and, um, you know, so if we don't have those substrates, we can't produce neurotransmitters. And then the other thing that's involved is micronutrients too. So in order for those conversions to take place, going from amino acid to neurotransmitter, you need a bunch of micronutrients to assist in that process too. Um, and those come from, you know, whole nutrient dense foods. So yes, the food we eat is very, very important. And it's not to, you know, especially being in the nutrition for mental health space, I try to tread really lightly. And, you know, I never want to instill fear in people for eating foods that are not perfectly whole and nutrient dense. Um, That's never my goal. But there's a lot of evidence out there that shows us that the quality of the foods in our diet can directly affect our mental health. Before we move on here, I just want to give one quick thing. And just in case somebody is listening right now and they want to find out more about you, where's the best place mm-hmm. that people can go to maybe uh, find out more about what you do or maybe contact you about some sessions? Yes. So for um, clinical nutrition counseling, terrabaltimore.com. Um, and then I believe it's backsplash or backsplash, backslash. <laughs> We're not in the kitchen clinical, right now. <laughs> clinical dash nutritionist. Um, or if you just go to terrabaltimore.com, you can click the little um, menu and, and there is a page for nutrition um, that has my information and my, uh, my rates and, and 
options to schedule appointments there. Now, you just mentioned before we switch gears for a second, you mentioned that you don't like to be too hard on people that, you know, mm-hmm. have a cheat day, so to speak, and eat something that yeah. maybe is not the most perfectly nutritious thing. And and right now, in the during the pandemic, there's a lot of people that uh, maybe are having a hard time staying on target with nutrition goals. Because I, I know for me mm-hmm. personally, um, I try to go about a week and a half to two weeks in between trips to the grocery store. I don't really want to be going, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. And I had tried to switch, or I should say I started switching over to a a more plant-based diet uh, about a year mm-hmm. ago. And it's been kind of difficult for me to stay on top of that just because I feel like I have a lack of fresh foods in the house and I, I love the fresh vegetables and fresh fruits and we just haven't mm-hmm. been able to have that the same way. Um, so yeah. not everybody's dealing with that particular situation, but people are maybe making changes to their diet given the changes mm-hmm. in life that we have. So what are some thoughts that you have for people in that situation? The human body is incredibly resilient to to eating different things. Um, you know, people all over the world eat dramatically different diets and foods and even, you know, really, really healthy populations. Like if you take some of the healthiest populations in the world, the, they're called, you know, the blue zones where people yeah. tend to live the longest. And even when you compare the diets among those zones, there are some things that they have in common, but the actual foods that people are eating, you know, you're not eating the same foods in Japan as you can get in, you know, a little island in Greece. It's they're very, very different. So I think understanding that is number one, you know, humans can thrive and can live on lots and lots of different types of foods. So if you're eating differently than you are right, if you're eating differently right now than you normally do, that's okay. You know, humans are very adaptive. You know, there are some things that I think people should try to focus on in in supporting themselves with nutrition right now. But, you know, I think just flexibility and balance and and self-compassion and self-care ultimately because the more we can support ourselves with self-care and by that I mean, you know, things like getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, managing our stress, moving our bodies, all those types of things, the easier it is to eat well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what I'm saying, like there's there's a lot of research that shows that people who sleep less consume more calories and they consume more calories from sugar, from carbs, from high fat foods, and that people who eat more vegetables have longer sleep duration. It is interesting how everything <laughs> kind of, it, it's one big circle of life in a way, you know, mm-hmm. like one, one thing can impact so many other aspects of your life. You know, they'll say uh, you hear the term stress eating, right? But sometimes yeah. the foods that you're eating can create the stress in your body. So it's kind of, I don't mm-hmm. know, it's weird how everything all ties together in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And with nutrition in a lot of scenarios, it's difficult to know. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg situation. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really know what comes first and what's a perpetuating factor versus what is a, you know, what is the underlying root cause? It's hard to figure that stuff out. Um, And that is, you know, part of what I do as a nutritionist is helping my clients to identify, well, what are the root causes for you behind your, you know, instead of taking your diet and completely overhauling it and telling you to eat totally differently than you are right now, you know, how can we identify the root causes that are maybe causing you to, to reach for foods that we know aren't, aren't supporting your, your health completely? 
What do you mm-hmm. think is, uh, what would you say is one of the biggest struggles that you do find with people that you work with? Is there one that kind of stands out to you? That is a very good question. I know you get a lot of people that are coming from different backgrounds and everybody has a different set mm-hmm. of things they want to work on, but I didn't know if there was one thing that you kind of started to notice like, hey, this seems to be popping up a lot with a lot of these folks that I'm talking with. I think one thing that that some people struggle with, and I see this a lot, is kind of that all or nothing mindset where, you know, people think that if they don't have the time and the resources to dedicate, you know, to eating a super healthy, super clean diet, then it's kind of like, oh, well, hmm. you know, is it even worth it? Yeah. Well, I don't, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until until X, Y, and Z change. That mindset in particular is, it's harmful because, you know, you don't know when, when the stress is going to go away or, you know, when it's going to become easy for you to implement dietary changes. So, so that's one thing that I see. And, um, and what tends to happen is, you know, if people do fall into that, you know, okay, now's the good time, you know, it's January or it's, back to school. It's this time and it's a great time for me to like go all in 100% with eating clean. You know, the second that something comes along that's a little hiccup in the road, it's just everything's out the window. I think balance is is a struggle for some people. Um, you know, knowing that there is no such thing as a perfect diet and the most important thing is just doing your best in any given situation that you are presented with. I think that would totally be in my wheelhouse. Like, cause I, I'm that kind of person where, um, where I guess all or nothing is a great way to put it. Like if I make a mistake, if I'm trying to be on a strict diet and I make a mistake, I think, Oh, well, there goes that, uh, let's go ahead and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll start again on Monday or something. You know, there, there's that mentality yeah. and, it, and it's so true. Like I keep trying to break myself of that because you know, some is better than none. You know, so I exactly. say, okay, I messed up one day. I don't want to beat myself up over it. Let's get back into it. And we'll say, okay, whatever. We had a bad day. We move on to the next day and mm-hmm. we're back on track. Um, but that is a, a definitely a thing that I struggle with personally. So that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense when you say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at the Terra Baltimore website and you've got a bunch of posts mm-hmm. that you put on there too. And, and one of them is about uh, how mindful eating changed the way that you eat. And then you say that was something mm-hmm. that you did when you were in school getting your master's. What's mm-hmm. mindful eating? So mindful eating eating is basically just the process of becoming more mindfully aware when you're eating your food. Um, so a lot of us eat many times a day without really even noticing the flavors or the textures, the way our food looks, the way we feel before, during, and after our meal. And so mindful eating really changed the way that I approach nutrition Because I think so many people think about nutrition as what you eat and the quality of the food you eat and not so much that behavioral aspect of feeding yourself. Um, So that's something that I am really passionate about. And it's something I've been working on on with my clients a lot more right now, because as you mentioned, you know, people are going to the store less. They have less access to to certain foods right now. And what we can control right now is our behavior. Mm -hmm. We can't always control the type of food that we can buy and when we can buy it right now. Um, But we can modify that behavioral aspect of eating. I would argue that most people probably have more time now than they did before to focus on 
the behavioral aspect of eating. So I think it's a really good time to, to bring that into focus for people. When you say behavioral aspect, can you go into that a little bit more? Because I think that's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yes. You know, basically understanding, you know, what drives you to eat, understanding your hunger, becoming mindfully aware of like what those sensations feel like in your body. And then when you choose to eat, being really intentional about it. Um, one thing that is a nutrition tip I would recommend for anyone in quarantine right now is no matter what you're eating, whether it's a meal or a snack, put it on a plate and put out, you know, exactly what you want to eat, put away the package, you know, say you're eating a snack that's, you know, maybe some crackers and some kind of dip or hummus and then some nuts or veggies, put that all out on a plate, put the containers away, put that plate on your table, minimize the noise and distractions that you have around you and just eat that food. Those steps alone are so dramatically different than the way that so many people eat. Um, And it totally changes the game Um, because there's a lot of different things that contribute to our satisfaction when we eat. You know, a lot of people think about satisfaction as the fullness factor, you know, did that meal fill you up? That's one aspect of it. But there's other things that make a meal feel a lot more satisfying. And the more satisfied you feel after your meal or snack, the less likely you are to circle back to those foods in, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, just keep grabbing more and more mindless handfuls of them. So that is one thing that I think is would probably be my number one tip for people right now. When you eat, make it really, really intentional. And, um, you know, it's hard, especially if you're in quarantine with other members of your family, you know, you can't completely control your environment. You can't tell everyone in your family, you know, turn off your music, turn off the TV so I can mindfully eat this food. (laughs) But (laughs) the more you can minimize distractions, um, and some people, you know, really like watching TV while they eat. For people like that who have a really strong attachment to TV and eating, I'll tell them like, well, just turn the volume down. Turn the volume down really, really softly so that you cannot hear the TV as well. Because there is research that shows, um, and this is a little exercise that you can do if sure. if you feel inclined, um, that people with earbuds in who are listening to music or words who cannot hear any part of their meal, they tend to eat more than if you don't have earbuds in and you're actually listening to yourself eating. And that's something that anyone can do. You know, you can start a meal with earbuds in and notice how it feels when you're eating the food, take them out and then see how that changes the experience for you. It just goes to show, you know, anytime you remove a sense from the experience of eating, it removes some of the satisfaction, Hmm. satisfaction factor. Smelling is another example. You know, when you're sick and you can't smell food does not like, it's not exciting. It doesn't taste that good. If you couldn't see your food before you ate it, it'd be super weird. You know, you'd be like, what am I eating right now? I don't even know. It would totally throw you off. So anytime you, you remove a sense from the experience of eating, the experience becomes less satisfying is what I'm saying. And even visually too, you know, there's a reason why when you go to restaurants, they make things look good because the experience of eating a meal would not be nearly as satisfying 
if the food wasn't presented in an intentional way. Sure. I mean, like if all the same food that you ordered at a restaurant came, you know, say in a plastic bag or something, it wouldn't, <laughs> it, you're not getting delivered on the plate in the nice, proper way, you know, with the right garnish. Mm-hmm. It's just all slammed together in one way. It doesn't have the same appeal. It makes perfect sense. Yes. Well, yeah. Alexa, uh, so much information here, and I hope that we can uh, keep this relationship open so we can get back together again for the podcast down the line sometime. Uh, mm-hmm. But for someone who's interested in working with you uh, to maybe get some help for themselves, what are some of the services that you offer right now? So I offer clinical nutrition counseling at Tara, and what that is really beneficial for is, um, you know, if you have a, say, a health condition, Um, and you are really looking for some relief in your symptoms or, you know, just to feel better, that is really the service that pairs really well for that. Mm -hmm. Or if you're just feeling, you know, really tired, really run down, and like your food choices could essentially improve that, that's clinical nutrition counseling. We also added a service that I believe on the website is called health and wellness sessions. And those are mini sessions. They're 30 minutes long. They're offered at a lower price point. And those are really good for people who just want help with goal setting and accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so let's say you are the type of person who kind of knows what you should be doing right now. You have an idea of, you know, what foods make you feel good when you eat them you have the ability to do it, but you just lack the motivation and the accountability to do that. Um, Those sessions are really good for that. They're shorter. So we'll set some goals. And then, you know, with follow-up, we can make sure that you are sticking to those goals and we'll continue to, to kind of evolve the, the goals as we work together. And right now you're working in conjunction with Terra Counseling in Baltimore. So the Mm -hmm. website that people can go to is terrabaltimore.com. Correct. Well, Alexa mm-hmm. Bedingfield, I really appreciate you sharing some of your time. I know you got a lot going on from private yoga classes and working with your clients and everything. Everything. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that you were able to squeeze us in here. And it's nice to finally meet you. I've been hearing so much about yeah. you from the Terra folks that I'm glad we mm-hmm. can finally connect and have this conversation. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Well, take care of yourself. Stay safe. And hopefully next time we chat, we could actually be in person uh, talking about yeah. this instead of over the phone via video mm-hmm. chat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Big thank you to Alexa Bettingfield for joining me on the show today. If you want to find out more about her, you can start at the website for Tara Counseling. That's where she works. It's terrabaltimore.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Alexa Bettingfield. I've also posted this information in the show notes as well, so you can find it there if you don't have a pen handy right now. Thanks again for listening today. Again, don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a comment and follow us on social media, Be More Well Podcast on Instagram and Be More Well on Twitter. Feel free to reach out there too. I always love to connect with people that are listening so I can find out what I can do better and maybe some topics that you guys want to hear more about as well so I can play it for the future. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon.